As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. This edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast, we sit down with ESPN ACC writer David Hale to discuss the off-season storylines and the upcoming season surrounding the North Carolina Tar Heels. Good, man. How are you? I'm so sorry about earlier today. I'm, uh, I completely flaked on that. Nah, yeah, no, it's all good. I totally understand, man. I, you know, you always got something to do uh, when yeah. it comes to covering the ACC, so... Um, yeah, but hey, thanks thanks for just uh, sitting down with us and talking a little bit of Tar Heel football. Uh, I know, you know, uh, y- you cover all the ACC, so really focusing on one team might be a little tough for you, but uh, hopefully, you know, y- we- you can make it through, man. I will try not to uh, to embarrass myself too badly. <laughs> so, uh, well, first I got to ask you, I know last year you went through and you picked out a new profile picture for Twitter. Are you going to do the same thing again this year, or are you just sticking with uh, with the picture that you got on there now? Because I thought that was just awesome last year. Yeah, no, I'll switch it up every year. This one's been around since I try to do it around March Madness, but I put a little tournament together this year. To, to get this one, I'll switch it up again at some point next year. The important part is never to show my ugly face with <laughs> the Twitter handle. So hopefully, I maintain a, a level of uh, professional distance by, by doing this. That yeah, it, amazing that we have the same policy. That's my exact policy as well. <laughs> so you know, I wanted to start. It's pretty much still the biggest thing that is going to come out of this off season, I think for really for the national media when it surrounds the Tar Heels. And that's Larry Fedora's comments that we heard at ACC Media Day. You know, just start by telling me, you know, what did you think of his comments? And, you know, now that you've had a little bit of time to kind of, you know, get away from all the immediate reaction, has your opinion changed any from what it was that day? No, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much, you know, I, I think I had a pretty good, understanding of where it was that Larry was trying to go with things that day. Now, the, the problem that he had is, I think, not necessarily in the substance of what he said. It was in all of the other frills that he added to that substance, you know, suggesting that there was the downfall of our country if if football became too soft. And, uh, you know, just the, the, the way that he sort of denied um, stuff that is essentially facts and evidence already, I think, is, is problematic. I mean, he showed... He, he tended to undercut his own point, and I think it was a reasonable point, by showing a lot of ignorance and disinformation in the overall sense of, of what he was saying. But but if you, if you really get down into the nitty-gritty, his point, which is that, A, football, I think, has taken – more of, of a beating for the CTE stuff than, than any other sport, despite the fact that um, other sports may have or any other activities in life may have some direct correlations or for perhaps more direct correlations than football does to it. Uh, but football is sort of becoming the scapegoat. Um, he's not wrong about that. Uh, and he's not wrong about the fact that, that there's still a lot we don't know or understand about CTE. I mean, there's people who get it who have had no concussions. There's people who have tons of concussions and don't ever have any symptoms of it and and i think in some respects that we have as a society sort of allowed cte to become this sort of 
catch-all for uh, a bunch of different problems. And that's not in any way to undermine the severity or seriousness of of CTE and the relationship that it has to football, but just that the issue is significantly more complex than it is largely portrayed. And and I think that's what Larry was getting at. And certainly if you are somebody who makes your living in football, you look at some of the stories that are out there, you look at the participation rates in youth football, and, and you're concerned and you want to defend your sport. I, I understand where he's coming from with that. Uh, I think he would have raised some interesting points for discussion uh, but what instead happened is that the eccentricities of how he said it became the focus of what was said rather than um, what I think are some very legitimate concerns or questions or at least points about the complexity of the issue and how simplified it's being portrayed in the media. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. You know, I've, I've met Larry plenty of times before and I've talked to him and, you know, I, I, the notion really that some of these national media guys had that, you know, look, he's a, he's a horrible person and he's really just, you know, worried about winning football games. You know, that is definitely not true. You know, he's worked so well with, with some of those guys on campus that are trying to research CTE. So I'm with you. I think it was really just in the phrasing. He just... I don't know, and and it's kind of weird because, you know, it's like someone I saw on Twitter said, you know, this is not his first time being around the media, so it just, it, it kind of didn't make sense, I don't think, to any of us, so, you know, I, I don't yeah, know. You know I, had a, I had a conversation with another coach the, the following day, one of the Atlantic Division coaches who was mm -hmm. there, you know, of course, they're all talking about that too, because right. they, they don't want to put their foot in their mouth in, 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 at all, and right. they, they all said, you know, look, our, my, my experience with, with Larry is that he's very thoughtful and considered, and, and when we're in meetings and Larry Fedora speaks up, all of us are paying attention, because generally he is very insightful about what he says, and, and, and I, again, I think he was being insightful in a lot of respects, but it's sort of like if you don't, if you don't present a complex issue in a nuanced way, uh, he, he sort of undermined his, his point by doing the same thing that he's criticizing others for doing. He took something complex and tried to make it sort of a soundbite, and that soundbite came back to bite him, as it, as it turns out. So let's turn the focus onto the field, but we're going to stick with Larry Fedora. Right now, coming into this season, he comes off a 3-9 and nine year. I don't think that the comments really helped him all that much, especially with the fact that Bubba Cunningham was a little kind of shot away from it right after it happened. You know, how hot is Larry's seat going into this season, and should he be worried that if he doesn't at least make a bowl game this year, he might not be in Chapel Hill at the start of next season? Yeah, there's, I think, some legitimate concerns there. And, and if you're looking at ACC coaches, I would probably point to him as the hottest seat uh, for a number of reasons. Mm -hmm. Number one, he's obviously coming off the worst season. And, and there's no question that 3-9 and nine is an unacceptable result there. Mm -hmm. uh, however, he has a lot of you know, explanations for why that was. I mean, that mm -hmm. was an injury-riddled year. But you know, the thing is, that, you know, you talk to people around the sport, and I don't think anybody looks at that team and says, look, even if they were healthy last year, that was maybe a 6-6 six and six team. As much as the injuries were a problem and as bad as things got, I actually kind of came away thinking, well, you know, the injuries to some extent maybe covered up some of the flaws, and some of those guys who got to play because of the injuries might help this team more this year because they got playing time. There was, you know, when, when Elijah Hood and, and Mitch Trubisky departed, uh, I think that kind of uh, took them a little bit by surprise and left them a little bit flat-footed in recruiting and personnel mm -hmm. and on the depth chart. Um, there was just going to be problems last year. That, that's the long and short of it. And, you know, there's 
there's bigger issues now in terms of the comments. How much of the comments actually impact what Bubba thinks of him? I, I don't know that it's that much, but you know, you'd be foolish to think that other programs aren't going to use that against him in terms of recruiting. So right. if you're sitting in mama and daddy's house and saying, I want mm-hmm. your kid to come play for me. Um, it, it, there's going to be coaches who are going to say, don't go to UNC where this guy doesn't even believe that, that football can cause CTE. We're going to protect your kid. That's going to be used against them. And recruiting, as everybody at UNC knows, has already been an issue for so long because mm-hmm. of the effectively never-ending NCAA uh, cloud that was hanging over them. So, you know, there's, I, I think that, that more than the win-loss record, it's more sort of the context of the win-loss record this year. Does the team show market improvement? Are they competitive in every game? Uh, is the recruiting getting better? Is it, is it getting worse? Um, what is sort of the the mindset among the fan base about Larry Fedora? Are there people in the stands, which is always a concern there? So, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. But the, every time you talk about coaches in the hot seat, and I know not every AD follows this. They certainly should, but not all of them do. But I always ask myself, all right, if you think that this guy isn't good enough, who are you getting that's better? And then, right. you know, you got to go back a little ways at North Carolina to find anybody who has had more success there than Larry Fedora has. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I think a bowl game would probably be assure, would assure his safety there. But to me, I would not be super eager to move on unless you've got a really good idea of what plan B is. You know, you bring up that interesting point that I think a lot of people don't realize when it comes to his comments, and that's how his comments are going to be used with the recruiting. I totally agree with that, and and that's something that people, you know, have to say, look, you know, right now the recruiting is not good to begin with this season. This cycle has been a complete disaster. Uh, just the other day, we lost one of our top commits in the class in Emory Simmons. I mean, there's only 11 guys committed to this class only four in-state guys. It's just not good for him, and and that I, I think you're right. That could end up hurting them down the line as well. Uh, it's really going to come down to, like you said, results on the field. That'll bring the recruiting. That will at least put these comments to the back burner for a while. So you know that's that's I agree with you. That's kind of what he's got to do. Um, you know the big storyline I think on the field for, for this year. I mean, you talked about all the experience that we gained from last year, but now we're kind of in this weird spot because we have these looming suspensions that are potentially coming up. You know, I, I think a lot of people are really worried about this. Do you know anything on the front of these suspensions or is it still a mystery as of this moment? Um, I don't have anything specific that I could report on it at the moment other than the, the bulk of what I've heard is that, that, things are probably less severe maybe than they originally were portrayed or at least that the um you know the way the NCA works it's it's hard to pin down things but this did not the bulk of what i've heard does not lead me to believe we're looking at like long-term suspensions for a lot of guys so let's say you chalked up week one at cal as a loss anyway it may be that that there's not a whole lot of long-term repercussions from this, but it does, you know, to your point earlier, I, I think the problem is how do you start getting some good headlines at North Carolina instead of just the bad ones, because mm-hmm. the bad ones are really overshadowing everything. And, you know, as, as we talk about, is Larry Fedora on the hot seat? Well, certainly this doesn't help. And, and every time you have even a hot seat conversation, that hurts in recruiting. So that's another issue. And then the fact that the recruiting schedule has really been moved up. I mean, with the early signing day mm-hmm. last year, I mean, 80 to 85% of players were signed at the early signing period. So that 
that window of opportunity to change the, the, the conversation is smaller and smaller. And so, again, like it's just at North Carolina, you are pretty much dying for good headlines at this point. Um, and that's been sort of an unfortunately for, for the Tar Heels and for Larry Fedora, it's been sort of an ongoing thing for a long time because of the way the NCAA has gone. But but it certainly does feel like after a three and nine season, things have still managed to get worse this offseason. Yeah, I mean, this seems like a nightmare that we've been going through really since the start of last year. I mean, every time we see it, it's like, are you kidding me? Like, can we can we get anything that'll make us happy? One of the things that may have made uh, us happy and maybe a good thing going uh, throughout this season, Antonio Williams is declared eligible for this season. Of course, the transfer running back from Ohio State. How big of an impact do you really think he's going to be able to have for this Tar Heel football team? Well, I think, number one, it gives you just a guy with some veteran experience and some veteran, um, you know, voice in the locker room. I mean, it's hard to, you know, you talk to coaches all the time and they'll tell you it's very hard when your coach, when your team is coach driven uh, from a leadership perspective, you you want your team to be player driven. And last year it was just hard to be player driven because those guys who would have been sort of the veteran leaders were guys who got hurt early or really didn't play particularly well. And so the, the, the offense in particular fell to a lot of young guys and, you know, I, who are, are all of those guys, is Antonio Ratliff-Williams, is, is Michael Carter, are these guys ready to say, hey, I'm going to take be a voice in the locker room? I think that that's a hard thing to ask of those guys. So I think that's one of the areas where it makes a difference. I, you know, on the field, I think people kind of underestimated that as the year went on, the running game actually played pretty well. If you, mm-hmm. you add up the numbers between Carter and uh, Jordan Brown, you're, you're looking at, you know, close to 1,200 yards rushing yeah. and, and what about 12 touchdowns, I think. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that was not a terrible running game considering how much the offense struggled at times overall and how much, you know, none of those guys could have been really prepared for the role that they got thrust into. So, uh, you know, I, I think the ground game, particularly for, for UNC, now that you add – uh, Antonio Williams becomes a potentially really big asset for them. I think that's one of the better running games in the ACC, even though they haven't necessarily gotten much attention right now. Yeah, oh, well, there you go. Yeah, you answered my next question. I saw that you had had the ratings up uh, back in mid-July on the position units. And, you know, I, I was wondering, you know, do you think this moves this running back group into a top five group, at least in the ACC? Yeah, and I mean, there's there's some really good units out there. I mean, it's hard to to say that they're ahead of of Florida State or or yeah. Clemson or, or certainly mm-hmm. AJ Dillon at Boston College, but I think they're in the mix now. Where it's certainly not a negative, and I think that you know, are they? I, I think that the that if you would rather, if you say, would you rather have a really established run game or an established passing game, you'd go with the running game every every time because I think that helps you open up a lot more down the field when you can run the ball effectively. So, um, I. I, you know, I don't know. Are they top five? Maybe not, but they're certainly in that, um, you know, five, six, seven range. Probably, I think they're average to above average in the ACC. But, but that's probably saying more than it sounds like because I think there's a lot of really good run run games in the ACC. Yeah, it's it's definitely a big get, uh, you know, having him in the lineup because we're still going through a quarterback battle. Chas Surratt, Nathan Elliott keep battling back and forth. Um, apparently what I'm hearing is one of the rumors said that it could be Surratt that could be involved with the suspensions. Now that's nothing that is, that can be confirmed at all. I want to make that perfectly clear to anybody listening to this, but 
you know, going into this quarterback battle right now, if everything is, you know, perfectly fine with both of their eligibilities, which one of these guys do you feel will end up emerging? Yeah, you know, it's it's this is probably one of the more intriguing quarterback battles. I mean, that's not getting the attention because North Carolina is coming off a three-win season. But if you start kind of looking at where there's quarterback battles around the country, this one to me seems like probably about the most dead even between between the two guys who are really uh, at the top of the conversation because both of them played a good bit last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard to sort of compare what they did because, you know, a lot of when, when Chaz was on the field was early in the season and, and he had some more weapons around him. But Elliott played a little bit more at the end of the season and, and maybe guys were a little bit more into a – had found a little bit more of a groove. I, you know, I, I, I hate to even kind of guess at this point because I think it's very close. But as you said, you know, it, as, as things kind of progress through fall camp, it doesn't take much to push one against the other ahead of the other. And, uh, you know, I had this conversation with Dave Clawson at Wake Forest because he's got a quarterback who they expected to be the starter who's yep. going to be suspended the first three games. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, how many – you know, if you, you obviously thought he was – going to be your starter how many first team reps is he going to get this fall and Clawson said none I'm not giving him any reps we don't have time to waste on a guy who can't play and that's how much a uh, a quote-unquote quarterback competition can change quickly because of some off the field stuff so um, you know to me there's a whole lot up in the air right now uh, at the quarterback battle I, I will say this though I, I think both of them showed enough flashes last year that whoever ends up winning the job uh, is a has a chance to be very successful, but B can't exactly sit there and say that they're comfortable in the job because you know if if, if Elliot ends up starting week one and and plays really well, I could see him running away with it. But there's not going to be a point where you're not saying, oh, he's got a pretty good guy right behind him. I think that this is close enough that I'm not sure that even week one necessarily gives us a firm answer on who the Q- QB is long term. Gosh, another bad headline. Good gosh, we cannot. Oh, I hope not, man. Um, last thing that, I, and, and we'll get you out of here. You know, I saw your preseason all ACT, all, all the ACC team that you did uh, end up sending in. There were no Tar Heels on there. Uh, you know, I don't take an issue with that because this is such a, a talented group that we have here in the ACC of players that that probably are going to be very successful at the next level. The question for me is is are there any guys that you really are keeping an eye on that could end up being on that first team all ACC at the end of the year? I have two guys in mind, but I want to see if you will mention them before I yeah. tell you. <laughs> well, I, I think certainly uh, Anthony Ratliff Williams mm-hmm. belongs in that conversation. If, if you're not looking at him as a receiver, then certainly as one of those all purpose guys, the return guys, I mean, he's, he's a legitimate game breaker there. So, um, you know, you give him a more consistent quarterback situation and a more uh, consistent offense, and it's very easy to sort of see how he could blossom into a guy that we're having that conversation with as maybe, you know, one of those top three receivers in the league. Um, the other guy that I, I would, I think, you know, in any other year would probably be high up in that conversation of, of all ACC team uh, is Malik Carney. The problem is uh, the defensive ends in this league are, are pretty well stacked. Clemson's got a whole bunch of them, but certainly when you start looking at guys uh, like um, you know uh, Zach Allen at Boston College, who's a potential first-round draft pick, mm-hmm. or you start looking at um, you know Brian Burns at Florida State, yes. um, mm-hmm. the, the guy, the guy, you know Miami's got a couple of good ones too. So it, it's just it's a very crowded field. But I think that that Malik is certainly really good, and and I've actually I, I would argue that defensive line that you talked about the running game a little bit earlier as being a potential strength. 
defensive line, I think, has a chance to be a real strength for North Carolina, too. They're pretty good across the board there. Yeah, I the, the one that I had that I think a lot of people have to keep an eye on is Aaron Crawford at defensive tackle. I, I love his ability um, really in the trenches to get in there and, and affect the run game, something that – you know, we really haven't had in, in a while at Carolina. So, you know, I think he's also a very solid pass rusher. I think he could have some sneaky good numbers. And I'm thinking that if he really steps up and shows, as he did in spring practice, that, hey, I can take over that role on that defensive line. Last year, we had that rotation going throughout the year. I think he might end up becoming more of a solid guy uh, you know, on the field where we see him play, you know, a, a lot more snaps than we saw most of the defensive tackles play. Uh, a year ago. So, uh, hey, David, thanks, thanks for doing this, man. It was this was sensational. You do such a great job uh, covering the ACC for ESPN, and uh, I know that you know you love getting involved with uh, with all of the fans of these teams out there. And uh, you know, I think I think we all secretly appreciate it. Some people might get frustrated because they don't like hearing the facts. But, uh, you know, it's any time that you're on there, I, I always love to check on the Twitter account and, and see what you got going on, man. Well, I appreciate you having me, and I am uh, more than happy to keep people informed or enraged, whichever uh, avenue they have chosen to take. But uh, I certainly enjoy it, and I appreciate you having me on. All right, man. Thank you very much. You have a great uh, college football season, and uh, we'll hope to talk to you sometime down the line. All right, man? All right. Sounds good. Right back at you. All right, man. All right, so great stuff there from David Hale over at ESPN talking about the Tar Heels. Some of the storylines, of course, off the field this offseason and what he expects from this team this coming season. Guys, believe it or not, it's not that far off. And we're going to be getting, uh, you know, more and more episodes going on, hoping to get the idea that I had a couple of weeks ago to try to get your predictions on the season going here soon. It is there. There is still a month left, but I know we're getting into uh, fall practice, fall camp. So we are going to be, you know, broadcasting some more episodes here. Uh, I'm hoping that Zach Hubbard will be the guy that will be on with me. Maybe some of uh, Josh Marlowe, who also has been on as a host. So, you know, we're definitely going to try to start hitting this hard. And by the time we get into the season, we will be having a weekly show to talk about everything that is going on in the world of Tar Heel football. Guys, as always, the Heel Tough blog is up and running at full power at the moment. We just had all of our position previews for the entire team. That mentions every single player that will be on the roster this year, just in case they end up having an impact. So learn about these guys Learn what the depth chart might be, at least from my perspective. I am no expert, let me just say that. But, you know, these guys are going to be playing for us this year. Why not learn a little bit about them and read about what you could be possibly seeing from these guys this upcoming season. Some other big stuff going on up on the blog here in the next few days. And, of course, the big event that is coming up for Tar Heel fans is this weekend, this Saturday, head up to Chapel Hill. It will be in the Blue Zone this year. That's right, guys. Meet the Heels is going back in the stadium. Guys, come out and check it out. Support this team. Come out and give these guys the support they deserve. You know, these guys haven't had the support really in, since, since I've been going to any games here you know, as a, as a kid, I, this team deserves it. Show up, give these guys the support they deserve, and, you know, come out and just enjoy it. Talk to these guys. 
find out what they're all about and get some signatures. So, you know, as always, uh, as I said, check out the blog. That's Heel Tough Blog on Medium.com. Check out the podcast. We got it on Spreaker. That's where we nor that that's where we broadcast it from. That was is where it will originally be posted. But we've got it on iTunes. We've got it on Google Play. We've got it on the TuneIn app. So many places that you can listen to it, guys. So keep yourself up to date on what's going on in the world of Tar Heel football. As always, follow me on Twitter at Future Tar Heel. That's where you'll see all the updates. Also on Facebook, Anthony Pagnata. Just search my name. And you will find all you can need, all you need on that site for Carolina football. So, guys, I'm signing off for today. David Hale, thanks again for stopping by. Check out his stuff on ESPN. Great guy that covers the ACC. They do such a great job over there at ESPN covering the ACC. And next year, remember, he will be a big part of the ACC network. So, guys, as I sign off, remember. Always go Tar Heels. <laughs>